please uh, have mercy on me because this is, I'm not used to preaching in English anymore. Every Sunday we preach here in Spanish, in Espanol, but I am so thrilled to be here with all of you today. You have no idea. I've been looking forward to this Sunday for such a long time. Um, I might get a little emotional because um, we are so grateful for all of you. We really are, our church. Um, it's amazing to see the love of Christ being practiced through all of you. And I want to encourage you this morning as our, the Spanish pastor of La Iglesia Unión, uh, we are overwhelmed with gratitude for all of you. We really are. For you opening this place for us and having the opportunity to preach the gospel to Latinos. It's a joy. My wife's up here with me today, Lisbeth, and my son, Diego. His name is Diego, too. <laughs> That's a big machismo thing with Latinos. We like to name our first sons, our names. <laughs> but uh, his name is Diego, too. And um, it has been a joy to preach the gospel to Latinos. I don't know if you know this, but in Tom's River, there's over 12,000 Latinos alone in this, in this town. Did you know that? And the communities are growing in Bayville and Beechwood and Forker River and Barnegat. Latinos are moving from all over the place. And one of the things we always pray for as a church, uh, La Iglesia Unión, we want to be a refuge for all these first-generation Latinos. A lot of them leave their home and their country broken, uh, discouraged, uh, bankrupt of re resources, and they come here feeling so alone. And I want to open up this morning with a testimony we had a family come last weekend that have only been here five months from Colombia. After our service, she was weeping just because she felt for the first time community with someone else, with another group of people. So thank you on behalf of La Iglesia Unión. I have a picture up here of us. Thank you, Wellspring. Um, thank you for opening this place to us and letting us worship the Lord Jesus Christ. God is a God of cultures, right? He's a God of diversity, and he, he's a God of including all people to come to know his love. And if you have your Bibles today, if you can open to Acts chapter 16, we're going to see today that love being demonstrated through the Apostle Paul, being demonstrated through the call that Paul gave to go serve the Lord in a place called Macedonia that was present-day Greece. And we're going to see here today the Apostle Paul loving people in a way that is incredible. The theme of this message this morning is this, connecting with Paul's commission to the Macedonian call. How many of you are grateful for the honor to serve Jesus, man? There is no greater honor than serving the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the greatest place that we can be as followers of Jesus. And that great commission that Jesus called us to be a part of in Matthew chapter 28, that includes every single brother and sister in Christ. That is not reserved just for pastors, for deacons, or trustees. That is reserved for every single follower of Jesus. So this morning, I want to ask you a question. Where has God called you? This morning, there might be nurses here, teachers, engineers, people that work in school systems. It doesn't matter where you are. God wants to use you. Amen. God wants to use you. And we're in a world where there's people that are broken, people that feel hopeless, and we have the opportunity to tell them about Christ. And so this morning, we're going to look at the Apostle Paul following the Great Commission. Next slide. It says there, you can see, sir, it says the Great Commission was not an option. It was a command. Amen. It was not an option. God has called all of us to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
God has called us to make disciples, not converts of all nations. He called us to make disciples, to invest in people, to love people unconditionally, and to love people radically. I really love, I really love what you put out there on your wall over there about loving the community radically. That is incredible. I love that vision. And that is our heart as well here with the Latino community. We give ESL classes for free. We help people get their license. I don't know if you know, but in New Jersey, uh, people can get their license now that are not here legally. The, the opportunity is open for them to do that. So we've, tr we're trying to find ways to serve our, our people that are Latino. We try to find ways to love them and to show them support. A lot of them come here with nothing, absolutely nothing. And what an opportunity we have to share the gospel with them. First Thessalonians 1, 2, and I want to share this verse as a, as a way to show our gratitude to all of you. This is a verse that I'm committed to, to go alongside of Wellspring. It says in 1 Thessalonians 1, 2, I don't have it up here, but I'm going to read it to you. It says, we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers. We are, like, let's say, we are committing to you in that verse. Amen. We want to constantly mention all of you in our prayers and we're going to pray for you and we thank God all the time for you. And so we want to echo those words. So here, now let's go to Acts chapter 16. The apostle Paul, before becoming a Christian, what was he? He was a, a persecutor of Christians. He hated Christians. He wanted to, to destroy Christianity. God's love can transform anyone, amen? There is no one that God cannot change. There is no one that God cannot transform. And God was doing an amazing work in the life of Saul before, Saul of Tarsus, and now the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul wrote the majority of the New Testament. The Apostle Paul uh, was not willing to give up at all. He was constantly sharing the gospel. In Acts chapter 9, Paul escaped death. The people that he once called friends now hated him because of the gospel. And now they wanted to kill him. He had to escape death in Acts chapter 9. Some chapters later, Paul was almost stoned to death. How many of you have ever had a rock thrown at you? I haven't. But Paul was stoned almost to death and his companions. I want to ask you a question this morning. What are you willing to sacrifice for the gospel? What are you willing to sacrifice for the gospel? Paul was stoned. He was disowned. And he continued to serve the Lord. After he was nearly close to death, Paul continued on to serve. Did you know that Paul had many missionary journeys? Okay, there's a map here I want to show you. Paul had many missionary journeys. He had three missionary journeys, and he also went to Rome. Okay, how many of you keep track of your steps on your phone? How many of you do that? I know I do that, right? One day, I, I, I think I walked 13,000 steps. I thought it was like success, okay? <laughs> it's a, that's really nothing, okay? But Paul's first missionary journey, you know how many miles he walked? 1,581 miles in 53 days. There was no Uber, no Lyft, <laughs> no comfortable car in the scorching heat of the Middle East and Europe. The second journey, you know how many miles he walked? 3,050 miles in just 100 days. The third journey, 3,307 miles in 92 days. And then when he was in Rome, he walked 2,000 344 miles and 36 days. Wow. Impressive. This brother was serious about the gospel. How serious are we about the gospel? Paul was not playing games. And not only did he show that 
commitment, but Paul encouraged those that he mentored and discipled that same commitment. Paul gathered a team to go on that second missionary journey to do a church plant in Macedonia, one of the first churches in Europe. How grateful are we for the history of Europe and the riches that we've learned from different men and women in Europe, right? God did amazing things in Europe in all these years, and it all started with a woman named Lydia. We're going to talk about her in a moment as well. But here we see the Apostle Paul gathered the team of committed, strong believers, Luke, Silas, and Timothy. Luke, Silas, and Timothy. And the next, and I want to read to you um, a quote by David Livingstone. How many of you know who, who David Livingstone is? He was a dedicated missionary in the country, in the continent of Africa. And look what he says here. He says, if a commission by an earthly king is considered an honor, how can a commission by a heavenly king be considered a sacrifice? Pretty intensive words from a brother in Christ who was giving everything that he had to, to serve the Lord in Africa. And I wanna, I'm gonna share four C statements with you this morning. I wanna, I like to do like little C's and A's and B's, okay? So today I'm gonna share four C statements. And the first one is this. The first C statement is this. God has called us not to fear, but to be what? Courageous. In the calling that he has given us to become disciple makers. God has called us to be disciple makers. In Joshua 1, 9, the next slide, it says this. Be Can we read this together? We do that with Latinos. I'm sorry. Can we read this together? One, two, three. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. God is with you in Bayville, Sunday nights at 6 p.m. He is with you in Tom's River. He is with us with our Spanish service. The scripture says in Hebrews that he will never leave us nor forsake us. In the, in the gospel of Matthew chapter 20, it says that the Lord will be with us till the end of times, till the end of age. We have a God who is faithful, amen. Even though we are unfaithful, God remains faithful. It's incredible, the faithfulness of God. How many of you know that hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness? I love that hymn. It's a great hymn. Did you know that that writer wrote that hymn when he was fighting for his life? He lost his family. He lost everything, but he found comfort in the love of Jesus. Our comfort and our strength comes from the Lord. So be strong and courageous. Next slide. We're going to look here now about Paul's second missionary journey. Chapter 16, verses 1 to 3, we're going to read here. It says, Paul went first to Derby and to Lister. And guess what? That, that place had memories for Paul. That's where Paul was almost stoned to death. And he went back there. Would you go back to a place where you almost died? Would you do something like that? I, don't, I, I wouldn't, but Paul did. But that was his passion. That was his commitment. Not only did he want to serve the Lord, but he wanted to bring others alongside him. And he went to look for a young man. So anyone here that is young, I want you to know something. God can use anyone here. Amen. God has a plan and a calling for every single one of us. And here it says, Paul went first to Derby and then to Lystra, where there was a young disciple named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium. So Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. So Paul was constructing a team, Silas, Paul, Timothy, and Luke, and he was constructing them to go and to share the gospel uh, with all the people here. Many of us here might be discouraged too sometimes. Sometimes we think that God can't use us, but God can use anyone. You have to be willing. You have to say, yes, Lord, I want to go. And I want to share our next slide with you. Look what it says here. It says, Jacob was a cheater. Peter had a temper. David had an affair. Noah got drunk. Jonah ran from God. Paul was a murderer. We're talking about Paul. Gideon was insecure. Midian was a gossiper. Martha was a worrier. Thomas was a doubter. Sarah was impatient. Elijah was depressed. Moses stuttered. 
Zacchaeus was short, Abraham was old, and Lazarus was dead. And look what it says here. God doesn't call the qualified. What does it say there? He qualifies the called. Have you ever heard that quote? I love it. It's, po it's powerful. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the call. Brothers and sisters, I don't have a professional degree. I didn't go to seminary, all right? Uh, I'm not the brightest person in the world, but God still can use someone like me. It doesn't matter. You know, the apostles, the disciples, many of them were fishermen. Matthew was a tax collector. All these different individuals, they didn't have seminary degrees. They didn't have all this experience, but God used them because they were willing to say yes. Who wants to say yes this morning to the call that God has given you to serve? How many here? Who wants to do it? Let's say yes. You know, Pastor Graham, you can't go to your job and preach the gospel, but you can. Pastor Jason can't stay there every single day with your family, but you can. We have an opportunity to minister and accept the call that God has given us. Our next statement is this. May we pray to our Lord to give us the strength to be committed to being sensitive to where the Holy Spirit is leading us. And before I talk about this quote, I forgot to ask one thing to all of you. How many, how many of you here are discipling someone in your life? That's a good question, no? And how many of you are being discipled by someone else? I truly believe that every believer should always be mentored and discipled. I don't know if you agree with me on that, but I truly believe that. I have five to seven men that I can always call and ask for help. And now I, I include Pastor Graham and Jason now in that group. I'm so grateful for that, you know, to have people to, to help me because we all struggle. We all go through hard times. And I want to share with you a testimony of how discipleship is really a powerful tool that God uses in the church. It's something very, very important that we need to do. Um, on Bible.org, I saw this quote. I might be a little rough to say, but I think it, it goes alongside to what we're talking about. It says in Bible.org, it said, uh, Paul understood that evangelism without discipleship violates the Great Commission and results in spiritual abortions. Wow, intense, right? I want to read that one more time. Uh, Paul understood that evangelism without discipleship violates the Great Commission and results in spiritual abortions. We need to have discipleship. How many of you here were mentored by someone and how many of you appreciated that mentorship? It's powerful. I remember one of my church leaders uh, called me one day and said, Diego, I want to meet with you every single Thursday and I want to I invest time with you. He taught me how to study the word. He taught me how to preach. And guess who it was? Guess who was that person? It was Tom Wilson, Pastor Graham's uh, grandfather. Small world, right? <laughs> he taught me how to preach my first sermon. I always tell it to Pastor Graham. Your grandfather had a huge impact in my life and discipleship. Discipleship is powerful. And there's people in our that are filled, that are filling churches today that are not being discipled, that are not being mentored. Small groups are great. Those are great things. But sometimes when you gather with someone one-to-one, -one, you really start seeing the depth of their hearts. You really start seeing what are they going through in their life. I was discipling a young man in Venezuela. I was a missionary with crew. I don't know if you've heard of crew before, Camps Crusade for Christ, but I served with them. That's where I met my beautiful wife. Um, and so, uh, so many people say, oh, why did you go to Venezuela? Was it for ministry? Or <laughs> so that's, that's always, a, people always say it to me, you know, but, uh, you know, um, I went to Venezuela and I was discipling a young man who was going through a hard time in his life. And one day he opened up to me and he said, Diego, I was molested as a little kid. And I remember going to my church leaders and telling them what I went through in my life. And guess what happened? They said it was my fault. They put the blame on me. And when I saw that young man say those words, it made me want to cry. I said, no, you were, that is not your fault. 
Those leaders made a huge mistake. That had nothing to do with you. And I continued to disciple him and love on him and spend time with him. His name is Diego too. <laughs> is that something? <laughs> Diego discipling Diego. <laughs> and guess what? He's serving the Lord as a missionary in Brazil right now. You have, a, you have a church plant in Brazil, right? He's over there too in Brazil serving with a ministry and preaching the gospel. He learned Portuguese. He's Spanish. He's, he only he speaks Spanish. He learned how to speak Portuguese to be able to share the gospel to Brazilians. There was another young man too at, our, at the church that I grew up going to in New Jersey. And I remember coming back as a missionary from Venezuela, serving full-time in ministry. And sometimes when you go back to your normal life, it's hard, right? Like you're back to your regular routine and everything like that. And I remember feeling like so useless because I was serving in full-time ministry in Venezuela for two years and coming back to the States. But the Holy Spirit, and this is why I want to share this quote, may we pray to the Lord to give us the strength to be committed, to be insensitive to where the Holy Spirit is leading us. For many Sundays, I remember going to church and seeing a young man sitting at the table by himself every single Sunday, drinking his coffee, and not and no one taking the time to sit down with him and talk. But I remember seeing him for many Sundays. And how many of you, you know, I've never heard the Holy Spirit speak to me like the voice, like, there you go. That's never happened before, okay? But how many of you have sensed the Spirit of God moving your heart? Has anyone ever felt that before, you know? And that one Sunday, this, the Spirit of God was like, Diego, you see that man over there? He's hurting. You need to spend time with him. Invite him out for some coffee. And you know what? You know, we quench the Spirit as Christians too sometimes, don't we? That's a struggle. I quench the Spirit a lot. I want to be honest with you. I don't, want, I don't want to be fake up here with all of you. There's many times in my Christian walk where I ignored the Spirit of God in my life. And so, four or five Sundays passed, the Spirit of God was putting on my heart, invest in this young man, invest in this young man. Diego, go and talk to him. After like five, six Sundays, finally, I, I went up to him, him sitting by himself in that table. I sat down with him. And you know what? I'm, me being the Mr. Negative, okay? Me feeling like, okay, if I'm gonna invite him out, he's probably gonna say he's too busy. He probably say he can't do it. So I go sit down with him. I'm like, hey, how you doing, man? He's like, I'm great. I'm like, oh, how's your week? How's things going? We had a little chit chat there. And I said, hey, what are you doing this Saturday? He's like, nothing. I'm like, oh, you wanna hang out? Sure. I'm like, oh, okay, great. This is awesome. I said, can you come over to my house for lunch? Yeah, okay, great. So he came to my house. And that one-on-one -on -one time with him repeated for about two, three months. This young man grew up in Sunday school his whole life. He grew up under the sound of God's word his whole life. And he said no one ever took the time to love on him. You're talking about love weekend, right? And my heart broke. I said, and I was part of that problem. Sometimes we want to point the finger at other people, but we're part of the problem. And I was a part of that problem. I never, I, I, I wasted five Sundays to talk to him. So I'm part of the problem. I'm so stuck in my life, in my time, that I didn't, I don't want to give other time to other people sometimes. We're selfish, aren't we? And I confess that I live such a selfish life sometimes. And so I went up to this young man. I started talking to him. We met for many months and it was incredible. I found out that I, I found out that he didn't even know if he was saved or not. So we went through the gospel again. He confirmed that he finally understood the gospel. He started studying God's word. It was incredible. And then one day he goes up to me, he goes, Diego, like, I like hanging out with you. Like, don't take offense to this, but why don't we invite other people? I'm like, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's a great idea, man. 
Let's invite. And so he invited two friends. I invited another person. I saw another person at church that always was alone as well. I invited him. He started coming. And so it went from five people to seven people in my little apartment in Eantown where we, we had uh, just Diego was a baby. And so five, seven, 10, 15, 20. One Sunday, we had about 35 men in my little apartment just excited to study God's word. And they came from different churches, Calvary Chapel, Assemblies of God. Uh, they came from different types of churches. Some came that were atheists. Some of them, they were inviting atheists to our Bible study. And there were some, some Bible studies where I, I just stopped our Bible study and we talked to this one atheist for about two hours. And there was some, some Friday nights that we were there till two in the morning. My poor wife, she was like sitting there like, 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 what's going on with you? It's all, it's two in the morning. What are you doing? You know, we had one, we had one baby. So it was, it was okay, I guess. And, and we saw God do amazing things. Are you willing to step out of your comfort zones, brothers and sisters? You know, there were some Fridays I, wa- I didn't want to do that Bible study. But when I saw those guys coming, sharing their heart, we, talked to- we went through the book of Romans. Uh, we studied spiritual gifts. We talked, about, we talked about tongues and prophecy and all that stuff. It was intense. It was an, an intense Bible study. And these guys were on fire for the Lord. And all of them now, are. I always encourage them, like, hey, it's not about coming to my church. It's about you serving the Lord wherever God calls you. If it's either Calvary Chapel in Oldbridge, great. Some of them came from Oldbridge. If it's Assemblies of God in Marlboro, if it's, you know, this Baptist church over there, I say, my, my, my goal for you guys is to serve the Lord wherever God has you. And if I could be a help of that to you, that'd be, that's great. And these guys are now serving all the Lord in different churches all over New Jersey. You know, guys, let's get out of our comfort zone. And the apostle Paul did that. He left. He just kept going everywhere. He he just came from another place. And now he's in Macedonia. And guess what? When Paul goes to this place, uh, let's read it. Next verse here, next chapter. It says here, next Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Mycenae, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. And Peter preached the gospel there. He was there too, preaching the gospel in Bithynia. But again, the spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went on through Mycenae to the seaport of Troas. You know, this reminds me of a very important reminder as Christians. We can't be everywhere, can we? We can't. Only Jesus is omnipresent. Only he can be everywhere at the same time, but we can't. We have to show a commitment to a certain place. We have to be sensitive to where the spirit is leading us to serve him. And Paul was sensitive to the calling of the Spirit in his life. He was constantly, constantly praying and asking for the guidance of the Spirit in his life. My brothers and sisters, we cannot live without the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you know who Francis Chan is, but he wrote a book called The Forgotten God. And guess who that forgotten God is? It's the Holy Spirit. Many times in church, we forget about how we cannot survive without the Holy Spirit. Amen? We need the Spirit of God living in us and guiding us. And here we see Paul showing his disciples that his companions that were with him, they saw everything that he was doing and he demonstrated how sensitive he was to the Holy Spirit. And look what happens in the next passage. It says in verse 9, That night Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia and northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Look how Paul responded to the call that God was given him to serve in Macedonia. It says in verse 10, so we, including Luke, Silas, Timothy, and Paul. So we decided to leave for Macedonia. What does it say there? 
at once. He didn't say, oh, you know, God, I'm going to go and, you know, I got I to gotta watch this episode on Netflix and, and Disney Plus. You know, I can't go there yet. You know, I, gotta, I got things to do, God. Let me do this first. No, he didn't say that. He said, all right. He says here, we decided to leave for Macedonia at once. Having concluded that God was, what does it say there? Calling us to preach the good news there. And Paul went to this place called Macedonia. As I was reading different commentators, it says that this area uh, was, was an was a unreached area. Can you believe that in Europe? Having an unreached area? <laughs> you know, we hear Europe having so many churches all over the place today, but during this time, it was an unreached area. And, you know, Paul made it his custom. What did he do when he went to serve in a new area? What was one of the first things he would do? He would go first to the synagogue, right? He would go to the synagogue and he would minister to the people there first. And then he would go out to the courts. And then he would go out to the public squares. Paul, But Paul, here we see that Paul, there was no synagogue to go to. Did you know that in order for a synagogue to function, there has to be 10 Jewish leaders that are in that building at all times. So there wasn't even a synagogue in this area. But Paul did something very important. He researched his community. Do we know our communities, brothers and sisters? Do we know what people are going through in our communities? And you guys do. I'm speaking to the choir here. You guys are so involved in your community. But unfortunately, there's a lot of churches today that don't have any idea of what's going on in their community. It's a huge issue. And here we see Paul. Look what it says in verse 13. It says, on the Sabbath, we went to a little way outside of the riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer. How did he know that? Paul didn't just guess that. So he had to do some research to find out what was going on in this area. And he says here, who were meeting for prayer, and we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshiped God. And she listened to us. And look what it says here. The Lord what? Opened her heart. Are you paying attention to who's listening in our community? Are you paying attention to who's listening in your family? It says here that she was listening. And because she listened, the Lord opened her heart. And she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household were baptized, and she asked us to be her guest. If you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we agreed. The next statement is this. Let's accept the challenge to not allow the culture to impact the church, but that we would impact the culture with the gospel of Christ. Amen. You know, sometimes we agree. Sometimes we fight about what's going on in our school systems. We fight what's going on in our communities. We fight about what's going on in our country. But being a Republican is not the solution. Being a Democrat is not the solution. Being a faithful follower of Christ who preaches the gospel, that is the solution. Only the gospel transforms lives, not political agendas. Amen? It is the gospel. I can, I can fight with people about abortion for three hours, but if I don't share the gospel, what's going on in that picture, right? You know, how many of you know who Ray Comfort is, who, who has a ministry called Living Waters Ministry? I always watch a lot of his videos of him preaching the gospel. And one of the things I love about him, he always goes straight to the gospel. He doesn't go down rabbit holes, right? You know, these rabbit holes of arg- endless arguments that take you nowhere. He goes straight to the gospel because when someone comes to Christ and they receive Christ in their life, they become transformed and their thought life starts changing, right? And now, because I'm a follower of Jesus, I, my thought life, my convictions, the ideas that I have are very, very different. And so the gospel is what changes lives. Um, 
We're going to skip to verse 22, Graham. Let's go to verse 22. We're running a little out of time. Uh, verse 22, I want to read this uh, right here with you. It says, Paul, Timothy, Silas, and Luke were interrupting the culture. That's what the gospel does. My friends, it doesn't matter how nice you preach the gospel, it's always going to offend someone. It's, a, it's, it's something, and, we, and if we're not offending people, then we're not preaching the gospel. <laughs> the gospel is offensive. How many people like to be, like to be called a sinner? Right? You know, it's like, I've talked to a lot of people. I'm a great person. I've done so many good things. I'm, have you lied? Oh, yeah, I've lied. Oh, so what are you called? What, what do you call a person that lies? A liar. Have you stolen anything in your life? No, I've never stolen. Have you taken candy from your brother when you were little? Have you, did you steal pasta from your sister? Did you print copies at work? Did you download music on internet? Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. So where are you? A thief? Have you ever killed anybody? Oh, no, I've never killed anyone. I would never do something like that. And I said, I want to tell you something. I killed someone. Oh, my goodness. They look at me like, oh, man, I better run. This guy, this guy just told me you killed someone. And I tell them, hey, you know Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, he said, if you have hatred in your heart towards someone else, it's the same as murder. So my friend, you and I are liars, thieves, and murderers. Oh, and they start looking, start, they start getting nervous. And I'm like, hey, don't, but don't be discouraged. There's a God, his name is Jesus. He left his heavenly kingdom and he came to the sin-cursed earth. He lived the perfect life. He went to a cross and he said, it is finished on that cross for you and me. And he died for you and he died for me and he took our place and that's called the gospel. And you know what the gospel means? What does it mean? It means good news because Jesus didn't stay on that cross. He rose again on the third day. And we worship a God that lives. I love the song that you sang about victory. We have victory because of Jesus, not because of Diego. I can't earn my salvation. I can't pay for it. I'm only fooling myself. It's complete surrender to the cross, complete surrender to Jesus. And here we see that Paul, Silas, and Tim were disrupting the culture. It says, look what it says in verse 2. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. Oh my word. So he was stoned to death. He escaped death. He lost all his friends and family. And now Paul was being stripped and he was beaten with, beaten with wooden rods. It says, verse 23, they were severely beaten and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet with stocks. You know what? I want to be honest with you. And you can ask my wife. Whenever a trial comes in my life, I am a crybaby. I cry about everything. When it's, it's, when it's summer, it's too hot. When it's winter, it's too cold. When it's the spring, there's too many allergies. Like we just, we just complain about everything. Oh, I got to drive to church. It's 10 minutes away. Oh, I got to get up early to go here at church. Like, man, like, what? I'm embarrassed. Are you embarrassed? I am embarrassed. Because I am such a complainer. But look how, look how the Apostle Paul responded. Let's go to verse 25, Grammy, verse 25. It says here, around midnight, what were Paul and Silas doing? They were praying and they were singing hymns to God. He just got beaten almost so severely. He was locked in these stocks and they were praying and they were singing. Incredible. I want to share with you a quote. You can go to the quote, Grammy Richard Rumbrand. It's torture for Christ. It's a little funny, but it's also a wake-up call. And I, and I, 
I want to be respectful with this brother, but look what, look what he says. He goes, it was strictly forbidden to preach to other prisoners. Talking about Paul and the Philippian jailer. It was understood that whoever was caught doing this received a severe beating. A number of us decided to pay the price for the privilege of preaching. So we accepted their, we accepted their, the communist terms. It was a deal. We preached and they beat us. We were happy preaching. They were happy beating us. So everyone was happy. <laughs> Look at, look at the attitude of this brother. Instead of, he wasn't crying about being being for the gospel. It's incredible. Incredible. I want to close with a, with a verse. 2 Timothy, go to 2 Timothy 2.2. I want to close with a verse with all of you. Talking about discipleship. 2 Timothy 2.2 says this. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. We have an opportunity to become disciple makers. We don't want to just make disciples. We want to make disciples that make more and more and more disciples. You know that guy? There was a guy, you know that guy Dan that I invested in at the church that was sitting at that table? He's now preaching the gospel in Camden, New Jersey. Do you know where Camden is? He's a detective in Camden, New Jersey. And he's telling people about Jesus. And the people love him, you know? A guy in blue. And the people in Camden love this guy because he loves them. Preaching the gospel in Camden. And so I want to tell you something too. He's a better preacher than me too. I saw him preach one Sunday. I was just like, wow. I was like, man, I, I want to be, I want you to disciple me now. It's like the tables have turned. Like he's my mentor now. And that's our desire, right? When we disciple someone, we want to see them exceed us. Amen. The same thing with my son. I said, son, I want you to serve God more than your dad. I want to be used more, by, more, more than your dad when it comes to the things of the Lord. I desire that for my, we're not in this competition mode, right? That's why I love Wellspring. I, you guys are not competing with churches. You want people to come to Christ. You don't care about that. You care about souls coming to Christ, amen? And that's the joy that we have here, my brothers and sisters. I want to close with two quotes, one from Oswald J. Smith and one from Steve Moore says here, this is a big wake-up call here, brothers and sisters. It says, the church that does not evangelize, what does it say there? Fossilize. Will fossilize. Paul said to Timothy, do the work of what? Of an evangelist. Evangelism, all believers were called to do it. And talking about the Great Commission, look what Steve Moore said. He said, the Great Commission is too big for anyone to accomplish alone and too important not to try to do together. I am so humble. This morning when I came here at 8.20, I was blown away by the unity of your volunteers and your leadership here. I was blown away to see how all of you understand that we can't do this alone. You know, Jesus, he chose 12 disciples for a reason because he understood the importance of the body of Christ, amen. We need each other. We can't serve God alone. We need to love each other and support each other. Enough of this fighting and arguing with doctrine. Of course, we wanna be sound. But look at the unity that Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke had. Look how united they were with the calling that God was calling them for in Macedonia. Look how Lydia became a follower of Jesus. 
not only did she come to Christ, her household came to Christ. That Philippian jailer came to Christ too. Paul preached that gospel to him after he was suffering there. And that Philippian jailer came to Christ because of Paul's love. You're doing love weekend coming up, right? That Philippian jailer changed. You know why? Because he saw the love that Paul had for him. Right when he was ready to put a, a sword through his stomach because he failed, he thought he failed and lost the prisoners. What happened? Paul said, stop, we are here. Don't do it. Paul loved that Philippian jailer. And that Philippian jailer probably treated Paul horribly. When Paul probably got to that jail cell, he probably made fun of him and laughed at him. You know, I saw a documentary once about people in the jail cell systems taking people's prisoners' money, taking everything from them. This Philippian jailer probably did the same thing. And then when he saw Paul love him, regardless of that, that's what changed his heart. The love of God, the kindness of God leads people to repentance and leads them to a personal relationship with God. Can we stand as we close in prayer? Can we all stand? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come here this morning in awe of your love. It wasn't those nails that kept you on that cross. It was your love for us. While everybody was mocking you while you were on that cross, when they were pointing the finger at you, laughing at you, mocking you, you responded with love. You said the words to your heavenly father. You looked up to the heavens and you said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. In Spanish, it says, Porque de tal manera amó Dios al mundo, que ha dado su único Hijo, que cualquier persona crea en él, no se pierda, mas tenga vida eterna. It's amazing to see the gospel being preached in Spanish, Portuguese, French, all over the world. The gospel is inclusive for everybody. Jesus with open arms, wants you to be his child. And if someone here today doesn't know Christ, if someone's watching Facebook Live today and you don't know Jesus, I invite you today to run into the arms of Christ. Receive the Lord in your life. The greatest gift giver gave the greatest gift to man, which was his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And today, if you don't know Jesus, I invite you, to surrender today to Jesus. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I can't do this anymore alone, Lord. I acknowledge it. I run into your arms and I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for loving me, Jesus. In your precious name we do pray. And all God's people say, amen.